the Titans Amy and Coach Mac podcast presented by Farm Bureau Health Plans. Need great health care coverage with an affordable price tag? Let Farm Bureau Health Plans coach you through it. They've been protecting Tennesseans for 75 years. Welcome to the Titans Amy and Coach Mac podcast. I am Amy Wells joined of course by Coach Mac. Mac how you doing? I'm doing great. Well that's good. Doing great. Well, that's good to hear because we are continuing through our series, Names You Should Know in the NFL, where we are presenting you with names that we think you should know associated with the National Football League. It's not the most creative of titles. I think it's a great title. But I think it's effective. No, it's a great title. You explain exactly what it is, and we've got a lot of cool people. We've had a lot of cool people on these podcasts previously, and we continued, and then you came up with a nice idea for this part of the series. Yeah, I kind of thought it would be a good way to group everybody together, give us, you know, a guiding light, important people. So I'm excited about today's guest because he is an important person. It is Daryl, better known as Moose Johnston. And if you're not familiar with our friend Moose, he's a two-time Pro Bowl fullback who won three Super Bowls with the Dallas Cowboys. He spent a decade in the league, and then he transitioned into broadcasting, which is where a lot of our listeners probably know him better. He joined NFL on Fox as an analyst in 2001 after spending a year as an analyst for CBS in 2000. Aside from his broadcasting duties, Moose has also played an incredibly active role in some of the other football leagues, such as the AAF and the XFL. He currently serves as the executive vice president of the USFL. And as a player, Mac, Moose really was an important contributor to the game of football. Tell me why. Well, he was critical to their offense because that that offense that North Turner ran uh, was was fullback centric. It was an I formation offense. You know, Emmett Smith was the tailback, but Moose was the fullback. And so, first of all, you not only had had to have somebody that could line up in the I formation, you know, and block, but you also it, the I formation, the play action off of what Norv Turner did with Aikman, you know, as as the quarterback. Of course, with Emmett Smith as a running back, and then you know uh, Michael Irving. Uh, that that whole group, that that whole triplet group, and their offense was so effective because it was a it was a run based offense, but the play action and the play action that came off of it was devastating. And so when you look at Moose's career, his catches as a fullback are unbelievable. And the, and the, what he added, and you talked to Emmett Smith, I coached Emmett, you know, there at Arizona when when you know when I signed him when I was a head coach there after the Cowboys had let him go, and he gives Moose Johnson, he gave him so much credit, you know, when he was into his Hall of Fame speech because moose was a catalyst for a lot of that offense and and that offense was really fullback centric and you can still see some of it now in the national football league especially with some of these west coast teams that are still using the fullback not only as a blocker but as a pass receiver you know either removed or in the backfield moose was all of that and he was a he was a really really good player for a long time and so uh, when you talk to anybody that intricately knows what went on with those Cowboy Championship years, they will point to Moose Johnson as being a very integral part of it. Well, and it's interesting that he was a fullback because in the National Football League as it stands right now, you don't see as many fullbacks and teams are very – either they love the fullback position and want to use it in its, uh, I guess, like traditional form – or they don't really love the fullback position and try to turn it into a hybrid bunch of different things. And so I think that having someone celebrated who is your traditional fullback who made a huge impact. I mean, Moose Johnson is one of the reasons that 
Pro Bowl rosters included a fullback because he couldn't get to the Pro Bowl because he didn't have the running back numbers. No, that's absolutely correct. And and as you said, that, that, that's that's so very true. And now and let's talk some ball a minute. Most of the most of the league now is eleven and twelve personnel, which is you know either three wides one tight end and one back, or two tight ends, two wides, and one back. But the 21 personnel, which is standard personnel as to how people still designate it, is a tailback, a running back, and a fullback, then one tight end and two wide receivers. And so for 21 personnel-based teams, it's, it, it, was, it was very important to have your fullback still be able to be that fifth receiver. Because you've got five eligible, and so if the fullback is only a, a, a blocker and is a stationary player, well, then you're pretty much limiting yourself. That was not the way North Turner's offense worked. The fullback was very much involved. When you ever, when you, I defensed the Cowboys for a lot of years, you know, when I was with the Bears, then when I was with the Cardinals, because the Cardinals at that time were still in the NFC East with the Dallas Cowboys, so we played them twice a year. So you had to have a plan as far as to how, by down and distance, how you were going to defend the fullback. And the fullback in the passing game was an important part of it coming off of the running game. And so, yeah, I mean, Moose was a – was was the best you know during those periods of time when he played amy he was the best at that position and so uh he's a very unique player in the national football league well and now he has transitioned into broadcasting which is something that he is really a familiar face to current football fans because they see him on tv so often what is it about him do you think that makes him such a good broadcaster really smart Really smart, and he and he's able to express it, and he's able to express it, you know, in in terms. I mean, he wasn't he wasn't that big glory player, but he was able to absorb all of the offense. He's able to absorb how you attack defenses, but he's also able to express it. I mean, that's what you have to do as a broadcaster: be able to express it to the audience in terms that they can understand, and not try to get too far above anybody's head, and then not try to get you know too low, but try to be interesting in what you do, and and plus. In the business, everybody likes Moose. He's a good person. You know, he's, he's very trustworthy. You can trust him. That's why he is. You know, did a nice job as a broadcaster. That's why he has held these executive positions in these alternate leagues now too, because people trust him, and he knows a lot of people. He knows what he's doing. He's very diligent in in what he he just he just took all the attributes that made him such a contributing factor as a fullback to one of the better teams in the in the history during that time in the National Football League and taking it into his executive roles. And so he's a good person. Well, and you talk about those alternative football leagues. He has had such a key role in a lot of them with promoting the game of football overall, not just at the NFL level, but at some of the auxiliary levels as well. Why is that so important? Well, it's extremely important because, first of all, when you're starting these, you know, as you call them, auxiliary leagues, you know, you have to be able to gather people that have experience. Well, experienced people in the National Football League aren't going to coalesce and come around you unless they know that you know what you're doing and unless they trust you. People trust Moose. Moose is a good friend of mine. I mean, I can, you know, call him at any time whenever he would come through here when he was doing Fox before the broadcast or, or the nights before. We, I mean, we would have a lot of conversations. I mean, 
I was invited to, you know, several Fox Christmas parties when they came in here to mm-hmm. do games. He is a person that you just, you just, you innately trust because he is. He's he's very sincere. He's very honest, and he's very knowledgeable. So he can he can gather people that have been in the league at various positions that know what they are doing. And so, I mean, that that's why, and then that's why the networks that are backing some of these, uh, as you call them, auxiliary leagues, trust him because he's done such a good job with them. They've seen his work ethic and what he is and what he stands for and how people react to him. Then they're willing to put him in these executive positions in these leagues. Currently, he's doing a lot of work with the USFL, which is really exciting. Tell me a little bit about the USFL and what they are are doing and what that brand is building right now? Well, you know, first of all, they've got they've got the backing of Fox, which is important. Uh, you know, I went to their draft. You know, they had a draft. They're all going to be based in Birmingham this year. They've, they've taken the original names of the original USFL, taken eight of those teams. They're all going to be centered in Birmingham for their first year. Players and coaches are staying down there. They're staying in Birmingham. So Fox has really done a nice job, and and, and Moose is a big part of this. Most of these leagues, like the Alliance, the Alliance was a really good league football-wise, but funding-wise, you know, they got out over their skis. The people that were in charge at the top, funding-wise, got out over their skis, and so all of a sudden they had over-promised and then under-delivered on the money. Well, Fox is not going to do that. And so one thing they're doing, they're cutting down on their travel expenses because everybody's going to be in Birmingham. You know, they're, the coaches, they, they, they're all staying down there in one hotel. The players are all staying in another hotel. They're going to play at the University of South Alabama, Birmingham Stadium, protective stadium that's about two blocks from where they're all staying. It's very cost effective. Is, is what they're doing. But then what Moose was able to do was gather coaches as head coaches that had a lot of experience as being head coaches, some in the National Football League, some at the collegiate level, but also some that had been, you know, uh, pioneers in all of these other auxiliary leagues going all the way back to, to, to NFL Europe that understand what it takes to be able to put people together in this type of a league. So he's gathered all those types of people around him and then – you know, their draft was very interesting. I mean, they had 32 rounds because they had no players. So then it was a snake draft. You know, a snake draft means that they went by position. And so if you have the first pick in the first round, well, then you're going to have the last pick in the second round. I mean, it was very interesting. You know, I, I attended I attended the draft because I know all the head coaches down there, and I know Moose very well. And he said, you're more than welcome at any time, we're you know to come in here and just to and to look, and if you have any ideas and thoughts, he put he got personnel people together. Each team's got a personnel person. So, but they're being very cost effective and very cost conscious this first year, and it gives it gives people a chance. Look, it's a second and a third chance for these players, and it's also a chance for some support staff and some. Young coaches, as assistant coaches, each team can have six assistants to be able to get professional experience. And so it's just more chances in football. I'm always for more football job chances, you know, for for everybody. And so this one, I was impressed not only with Moose, but with the people, the Fox executives that were down there and how they're going to do it, and it's going to be fun. All right. Let's just stop with all of this conversation and get right to our chat with Daryl Moose Johnson. Mac, we are joined by a great, in so many different ways, Daryl Moose Johnston is here with us. Daryl, thank you so much for taking the time to hang out with us a little bit. To start, 
There are so many things that you're involved in right now, especially with all the different football leagues and different programs, but we have to talk about your career a little bit. How much has the successful career that you had as a player impacted what you have been able to do right now with all of these different leagues? Oh my gosh, I would have to say it would be the driving force. You know, I don't think any of these opportunities would have been there if I did not have the experience of having the opportunity to play in the NFL, you know, to be around great coaches, you know, throughout my career and, you know, learn from them. You know, the game's been very, very good to me. There's also, you know, kind of paying back and helping out others. There's that component to it. But, yeah, I, I wouldn't have these platforms if it had not been for my playing career, without a doubt. You know what, a little bit more on your playing career. The thing, of course, you were a second-round pick in 89. I started in the league in 86, so I've coached several defenses, you know, against the Cowboys with you as a member. When I was coaching, the thing that stands out to me, and I think for our listeners, they'll like to know about your career, and, and, and for a fullback, an I-formation fullback, Moose, because, you know, they're with, they're with North Turner. I mean, I don't know how many times you've swabbed a hole with a running the power O. I mean, think <laughs> about it. All of those, all of those times that, that, that you did that. But you were not only a guy that could move people, move people out in the run game. You had, you had 2,227 receiving yards as a fullback. That's amazing. It really is. You will never, ever see that again. But if people don't understand the Ernie Zampezi offense and then the North Turner offense, that was a huge part of that offense, especially first and second down, right? Yeah, yeah. It was It was actually, you know, kind of that process you go through. And, and I felt really comfortable when North arrived in Dallas because he started to show us the film of what they had done with the L.A. Rams and, and how that offense was built. And, and I started to watch the skill set of, of the the players in my position and and I felt really good about what my role could be in this offense because it really kind of emphasized the strengths of what I felt uh, I, I had at that position number one a blocker number two a, you know as a pass receiver out of the backfield and I didn't get a lot of that in college because we were an option-based offense in college so I, I had a couple of catches but but nothing that they would lead anybody in the NFL to think that I had good hands but you know I, I grew up in the backyards playing football that's where the love of the game started for me and and there you know you're you're not running the football you're throwing it so you know i developed my ability to catch the ball you know as, as a young boy growing up and you know was fortunate to be around really good coaches when i was younger that, that taught you the right techniques you know where your hands should be how to adjust to a ball you know that's, that's coming over the outside shoulder when you've tracked it from the inside where do your hands go when the ball is low where do your hands go when it's off to the side and i, I tell people all the time the, hard, the hardest ball to catch is the ball that's thrown right into the middle of your chest because you're kind of in no man's land. But yeah, I, I developed all those skills, you know, as, as a young boy growing up in uh, in Youngstown, New York, up uh, outside of Niagara Falls. So it, it was a part of my game that just never had the opportunity to be demonstrated at Syracuse. But I was really happy when Norv got there because I could see the opportunity. I wasn't going to get a lot of carries, but I was going to get a lot of opportunity in the passing game. And it's one of the things I, I took a lot of pride in. And I really worked on my route running, Jay Novacek was really, really helpful to me in teaching me, you know, how to run routes based on, you know, my speed, my size, you know, what was I going to do that was going to threaten a defender? And he was really, really helpful in those aspects. What was it about those offenses? Mac, you alluded to it a little bit, that there were very specific types of offenses that made a fullback so successful. What was it? What was that key? It was just fortunate, too, because, you know, when, when Norv came in, you know, obviously I'd been there for two years prior to Norv's arrival. So, you know, a lot of times when a coach comes in, he's got to, 
he's got to kind of move and shift and, and do some different things personnel wise. Cause he's got to find those guys that fit his system. So for me, you know, the, the, the biggest thing was going to be the blocking component, you know, in that offense. And it's not a, a glorious job, but you know, it's something that was, was prominent in my role at Syracuse. So it was something I was very comfortable with. You know, that was the big part there with the blocking. I tell people all the time, you know, it's, it's more of a mentality than, then there is technique. There's a little bit of technique that you can use, but it's it's a willingness. It's a mentality to become a blocker in the NFL and be and be uh, a good blocker. Well, clearly, Moose, you took that mentality as a second-round pick. You were with the Cowboys from '89 to '99, and I'm just going to say this. And and I again, I, I I coached a lot of defenses against you and the Cowboys, and uh, you you were an issue that defenses had to deal with. But three-time Super Bowl champion, two-time Pro Bowler, all of those things. What a great career! But let's 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 switch now to your career now as an executive. When you started, you know, you, you, you were with Fox, clearly doing games as a color analyst, but you've been an executive now for the San Antonio Commanders, you know, as a general manager, 2018 and 2019, for the Dallas Renegades, director of player personnel, and now something that I really want to dive into that I was at the USFL's inaugural draft down there in Birmingham. You are now the executive vice president of football ops for the for the new USFL. Talk to us a little bit, not only about the USFL, SFL, but just you, what you've learned as an executive, because that's a different, that's an entirely different lane to be in. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> yes, it is. Yes, it is. I've been blessed. I've been very fortunate to work with the people that I have prior to this opportunity with the USFL. My head coach in San Antonio was Mike Riley, and Mike Riley is with us again in the USFL. And, and when I got hired to be the general manager alongside Mike Riley, I had Andy Reid, Jason Garrett, Norv Turner. I had all these people reaching out to me. I have a tremendous amount of respect for that said you couldn't have found a better coach to be partnered with your first chance at this. You know, Mike Riley is the nicest man in football. It was the, it was the most common phrase said. Mike Riley is the nicest man in football. And then, unfortunately, that, that opportunity didn't, didn't have the staying power, so we moved on to the XFL. And really fortunate to work with Bob Stoops. I never really had an opportunity to, to get to know Coach Stoops you know, prior to that and, and just really, really had a, a great time with him. So learned a bunch from Mike Riley, learned a bunch from Bob Stoops. Uh, and now you kind of take that to the league level where you're, you're going to have the opportunity to influence a lot of things that happen, you know, with every franchise that's going to be a part of the USFL. And, and we're down in Birmingham. We've got eight teams. And what we're doing at, at the league level is kind of building it from the ground up. So we're going to have a lot of input on how we feel things should work, you know, what we did well in the other two opportunities, what we did poorly that we learned from there, uh, you know, doing everything we can to make this, this opportunity successful for the USFL and for Fox. And, and it starts off with the head coaches, and, and one of them is, is Jeff Fisher, who you know well, Coach. He's going to be such a tremendous asset for us because it's not only what he brings as a head coach, it's what Jeff Fisher brings as a guy who's been in the NFL for 20-plus for years you know, as a player and a coach, he sees it from both sides. He understands the day-to-day routine of the player and the staff. We've got a great mix. Todd Haley uh, is our other NFL experience coach. You know, we've got Kirby Wilson with his first opportunity to be a head coach. As I mentioned, Mike Riley. We've got Bart Andrus, you know, who's been, you know, in the NFL, in the CFL, in NFL Europe. He's experienced a number of different opportunities to see how all these different leagues work and function, and, and, and he's gained a lot of experience. We've got Kevin Sublin down in, in, in Houston for us. Larry Fedora, who's I've really enjoyed getting a chance to meet. Skip Holtz is going to be the 
the coach of the Stallions of Birmingham, the home team hosting uh, the entire league, and then totally down in Tampa Bay. So the great thing about those eight head coaches is they get what we're trying to do, and they understand it's not going to be perfect every day. Some days it might not even be all that good, but they just come to work every day. They're very, very helpful to us. They've been phenomenal teammates. And I just can't wait to see what, what all eight of these guys do with the players. You know what, Moose, and, and, you know, of course, full disclosure, you know how close I am with Jeff Fisher, but I was able to come down to your draft. But what I really loved is, is, is over there going through before the draft, I know every one of those coaches. From all of my time in the league, I know every one of those coaches, and that's what impressed me. Even the way your personnel setup is, you've got people that know the business. And that was I, – I, I really appreciated that and, and enjoyed just observing that. I really enjoyed the draft because, you know, I've been through 35 NFL drafts so far in my career, an NFL draft, but your draft was a little bit different, a little bit unique. It was a snake draft by position. Talk to our listeners about that a little bit. And then what I want to end up with is I want people from Nashville to drive down to Birmingham to watch this. This is going to be fun. (laughs) No, it's going to be great. It's going to be great. Yeah, everybody, Nashville, Atlanta, everybody that's close and, and drivable, please come and see us. You pointed out the you know the eight the eight head coaches and you know football wise and, and and all the skills that they bring. So Jim Pop is a guy that came into our organization, and Jim Pop Jim Pop was a, a GM in the CFL at age twenty six. He's won five great cups. You know he's been you know at, at league level at at franchise level. He's got so much experience and so much wisdom. And it was actually Jim Pop's brainchild to create the draft and. It's an analytical modified snake. So it's a little bit more than just a snake. And, and what he was able to do, and I kept trying to poke holes in it and try to find out where the weakness was. And the more <laughs> I did that, the more I separated the top four teams from the bottom four teams. And he's got it perfect. Like if you do, it, if you do a cumulative summation of every pick made in the draft, every team comes out to have the exact same number which to me wow. was, was pretty remarkable. So I know that there were times when some of our coaches were like, you know, is, how come I'm picking fourth on, you know, the majority of the draft? And it's like, well, that's to get that balance, you know, we, that, that's, that's how it's worked out. So we, we really felt like we created a lot of equity. I was really impressed with the head coaches, how they, how they empowered their positional coaches, you know, how they were set up on Zoom calls. You know, during the draft, getting that information, letting them know who had been off the board, you know, where are we going to go to next? And as you pointed out, we did it positionally because we're, we're building eight franchises from the ground up. And, you know, we, we, were, we were hoping to be able to, to kind of minimize, you know, extreme swings and maybe the talent level between the teams by going position by position and starting off with those key ones that everybody talks about, quarterback, rush end, tackle, corner, wide receiver, you know, to, to kind of start with those and, and allow every team to draft, you know, through those positions where you couldn't, you know, maybe all of a sudden you've grabbed, you know, in the first four rounds, you've grabbed, you know, four of the best guys that we had in the draft because, you know, you, you had the time, you had the, the contacts in your network to control that. So it was one of the things that we were hoping to do based on what Jim Pop put in there to set everything up, you know, to, to make sure the equity was there, but then empowering the staffs and, and all of our, our team directors to work with our head coaches to, to find those players. Well, I was there. It was extremely organized. I was extremely impressed, and I will be back. Believe me, Moose, you're going to be seeing me in, in Birmingham. One of the things that I think is so cool about the way that this is structured is that everything is happening in Birmingham. Where did that decision come from to have everyone based in and play in Birmingham all the time, no matter where their actual franchise is representing? 
I think the big thing is just financial stability in year one as a startup. I think we've seen the other two leagues come out of the gate and, and go right into the home cities. And, and I can tell you this right now, we really felt in the, in the alliance when we got down there at training camp and we had all eight teams in San Antonio, we had made a mistake. We never should have broke San Antonio that first year. We should have stayed there. We should have played our season at the Alamo Dome. That's one of the really important things that we have to do with the USFL is, is making sure, you know, some of the lessons that were learned and some of the good ideas that came out of the other two ventures, you know, we have the opportunity to implement those. And, and so for me, the fact that we are in Birmingham, in the state of Alabama, where I'm, I'm going to do a little bit of bragging right now, Coach. I, I still think Texas is number one, but Alabama is a close number two when go. it comes to football and the love <laughs> of football. So, you know, we're not quite Texas, but we're awful close in the state of Alabama. You know, they've embraced it. They wanted to be a part of this. They wanted to host it. They've got a brand-new stadium in Birmingham that's phenomenal. Uh, it's the right size for what we're trying to do. And I think being able to have everybody centralized there, you know, it just it really facilitates everything from a financial aspect and really gives us that chance to get through year one and be on really, really sound footing. And, and, and perhaps, you know, we come back in year two and, and really kind of go through it again and, and make sure we get on really, really good footing, you know, before we break out and send these franchises to the host city. So I think it's going to be interesting as we evaluate, you know, do our after-action review at the end of the season and, and really see what's, what's best for the USFL. You know, do we stay in Birmingham one more year and, and really kind of get this thing dialed in? before we break franchises out, or, or, we, or, or do we feel comfortable we can do that right now? We've mentioned you've been involved in so many of these different teams, whether it be the XFL, the AAF, the USFL, all of these different leagues. Why do you think these are so important to the game of football? I think there's been a gap in the development of the players into the finer details of the positions, especially quarterback and offensive line. You know, And those are you know two of the more important positions for the quality of the game to continue to be what we expect as, as fans of the game of football. So when the college is really restricted time on the field, and then the NFL followed shortly after that restricting time on the field, what we were doing is we were prohibiting the coaches from really developing these players, you know, in individual periods, you know, really kind of grinding them a little bit in the film room and, and just all the different things that you had to do, you know, to become a successful professional football player. What these leagues are affording the opportunity for these players to do is if they don't make it in the NFL because there's something wrong with their game, but there's not the time to correct it. And then sometimes it's just a question of experience. Like our quarterbacks, you know, we've, we've got eight great quarterbacks, you know, in our league, you know, several of them, you know, drafted by the NFL, you know, from the third round to the fifth round, they've just got caught in the numbers game recently and, and they haven't had the opportunity to get game reps. So this affords them the opportunity to come to the USFL and, and play in game conditions against good competition and put some good film back out there for the NFL to see. And, and that was one of the, the important things to get us to, to have those guys join us on our mission. The other one is guys who just really, in a numbers game, haven't had that, that first opportunity yet in the NFL. You know, they, they come in and it's OTAs or it's mini camps, but, you know, maybe a little bit of training camp, but they've never really had that chance to really get into a season and, and be a part of a team. We're giving them that opportunity by showcasing their talents. So I think the biggest thing is, is some of the key positions, the offensive line and quarterback in particular, we're providing the opportunity for these guys to come into the USFL and really kind of dial in on their craft. And that's why it was so important for us to get the coaches that, that Mac talked about, you know, guys who have been around football, guys that he knows well. You know, they're, they're going to have a network to get good coaches on their staff. They're all going to be good teachers. And we're going to help these guys, you know, become the best players that they can be. Moose Johnson, 
thank you so much for taking the time to talk with us. We're definitely making the trip to Birmingham. We're just going to take a caravan straight from Nashville. Absolutely, Moose. This, Absolutely. Has been, yeah. this has been fantastic. See you in Birmingham. You got it. Open arms, Coach, when you get there. Mac, that was so interesting. I'm I'm just loving this series. What a what a great idea I had. You know, let's let's all right now, every one of us, <laughs> I know we can't hear all of you, I know we've got a million listeners. Let's everybody stand stand an ovation for <laughs> Amy Wells and her great ideas, which she has all the time. Can you, can you hear the applause, Amy? Uh, Congratulations. You know, I don't I don't need all of that. Yeah, you do. I just that's why you said it. I just want everyone to to know that I am enjoying this. And I hope that our million <laughs> listeners are enjoying this as well. Because really, I mean, that was a great conversation. And there's just it's amazing how these people have touched so many different aspects of the National Football League. Oh, absolutely. And those were the types of people that uh, we kind of zeroed in on when we went up to the combine, you know, and you said, can we get these, this, this, and this? And I've got a lot of names in my phone. So yep. we, we got Turn it on, dial them up. Let's we, go. We got them all. That's awesome. Well, for Coach Mack, I'm Amy Wells and also Daryl Moose Johnson. Thank you for your participation as well. And thank you guys for listening to the Titans, Amy and Coach Mack podcast. We'll catch you next time.